0: The book of Ephesians has six chapters. The first three chapters focus on what God has done. And the last three chapters, well, they focus more on what, how we are to respond to what God has done. And just before today's reading, the writer of Ephesians had said, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with a new self created according to the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Well, today's reading explains how we can be renewed and put away that old self and put on the new self, created according to the likeness of God. So listen now for God's word for us today as we read from the letter of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at the 25th verse. So then, putting away all falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather than let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God this is the word of the lord thanks, thanks be to god O Lord, let our thoughts and let my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the middle of the 20th century, the poet W.H. Auden published a book whose title gave that fearful time its nickname The Age of Anxiety, fear of war that could destroy every living thing on this planet with missiles armed with nuclear weapons. That dominated that age. It was, it was an anxious time for any of us who watched the news and saw Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev declare, We will bury you. Or later, in the United Nations, take off his shoe and bang his shoe on the table to show how angry and brutal they would be. And then later, in the 13 days of October 62, in the Cuban Missile Crisis, as the United States and the USSR were on the brink of nuclear war, so close. My nightmares in those days featured mushroom clouds. My daytime worries were, how would I get across the Oak Muggy River, there were only two bridges, and get over to that other side of town where my parents would be, and our plan was to flee to the country, because my father served a little church like this out in the country further away from potential bomb sites. Somehow, we've learned how to live with those fears, or at least not think about them quite so much as we used to. But the danger's still there. The fears are still there, and they've multiplied in ways to include fear of terrorists, fear of viruses, fear of Delta and new viruses and variants, fear of being shot anywhere you might go. People, families pulling into a filling station, getting shot right around Raleigh, right around this area. We're still anxious, but I believe our current age, our current age has earned a new nickname, the age of outrage. Anytime anyone does anything, anybody doesn't approve, outrage is the response. You don't need me to give you an example. Just watch the news or social media when almost anything that happens or someone says gets reported, you'll hear the news anchor say someone, some group, somebody, some nation was outraged. Reading the Washington Post stories this morning, we ran across two cases of outrage. One had to do with what people wear at the Olympics and how when something wasn't allowed or something was allowed, other people got outraged. Well, you know, it seemed like it's an all-or-none response. It's not just, I'm a little frustrated, I'm a little irritated, I'm getting a little angry, I'm really mad, I'm outraged. It's just, boom, straight to outrage. Zero to 60, you know, two seconds. Well, in the first chapter of the book of James, we learn the big problem with outrage. He writes, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now remember that righteousness that God desires, that has nothing to do with being self-righteous. It has to do with having a right, a proper relationship with God and with the children of God. So how does the writer of Ephesians advise us? What are we to do? Well, by my count, there are 13 commanding imperative verbs in these verses that we read. But not to worry, this is not going to be a 13-point sermon. (laughs) One, put away falsehood. Two, speak the truth to our neighbors. The prophet Zechariah had written about this, saying, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Leave no false oath. Love no false oath, that is. For all these are things I hate, says the Lord. Then the next command was be angry but don't sin. I have to tell you, if we say I'll have no anger, surely the truth is not in us. We can't help getting angry. The world and people in it, including us, sometimes especially us, make that impossible. Here's the challenge, as the philosopher Aristotle put it. Anybody can get angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not within everyone's power, and it is not easy. We can't help getting angry. The question is, what will we do with our anger? Or the next imperative, the command says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. You know that outrage and anger, they they have a certain inertia. The longer an issue goes unresolved, the more likely that problem is to linger. Don't make room for the devil. You see, anger is the power of evil and love is God's power. Outrage hardens hearts and obstructs peace. Outrage makes room for the devil. Give up stealing. Labor and work honestly to have something to share with the needy. And the next one is let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but just what's useful for building up as there's a need. So, so that your words can give grace to those who hear. Especially when we're angry. Especially when we're ready to condemn somebody. Jump on their case. It helps to say. Now let's think about this. Is this going to build them up in some way? Is it helpful? There are some things people say, well I'm just speaking the truth. Well there are a lot of times the truth is that's not. There's an appropriate time to speak the truth and we need to speak it in love. The Bible tells us. Next one says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's a phrase with Old Testament roots. In the 63rd chapter of Isaiah, we read about how God had saved the children of Israel, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Next says, Put away from you bitterness, wrath, anger, wrangling, slander, together with all malice. That's going to take you off Facebook, isn't it? <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> Not necessarily, I see, now Betty, Betty posts, posts all kind of wonderful music and, and, and Sharon posts all kind of funny things as well as beautiful pictures. And I see, I see the things y'all post. But you know what, I see a lot of other people posting really angry, nasty things. So be kind to one to each another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Well, those 13, they're kind of a baker's dozen of commands. But they really can be kind of summed up in the next two. Be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering. So how can we do that? How can we be imitators of God? How can we live in love Well, we can hold our lives up to those fifteen commandments, but that's that's a whole lot to keep up with, isn't it? If you ask people to name the ten commandments, a lot of people can't name more than two or three. And sometimes they'll put in things like, you know, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> that's a commandment. Yeah. Well, consider the three to do's. Be kind, tender hearted, forgiving. Are there times that you want to forgive somebody, but you just can't find it in your heart to forgive them? I've read that one way uh, to find your way to forgiveness is to do that person a great kindness. Now, what form that might take, that would kind of depend on the situation. For somebody that you want to keep a relationship with, that might mean cooking them something special, doing, giving them some sort of extravagant present, going out of your way to show respect or appreciation for them. Now, there are people that we need to forgive, but they're dangerous to us physically or mentally. Abusers, for example. Well, that might involve giving a donation in their honor or memory to some appropriate organization. Forgiveness does not mean you need to be foolish. It was President John F. Kennedy who said... Forgive everybody, but remember the names. <laughs> I'd like to see this about that. <laughs> well, another way we can become more kind and forgiving is really just to pause and honestly answer a few questions we need to ask ourselves. But before answer, we may need to put one hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Sometimes we just need to double check our infallibility to see if maybe, just maybe, we've jumped to a conclusion. Part of being quick to listen, so to speak, slow to become angry, is pausing to consider that remote possibility. Could I maybe just this once? Maybe I'm wrong? Am I being too hasty? Am I being exceedingly harsh in my outrage? You know, there are times that We're reading all the time about somebody said something unpopular, some people didn't like, and they got death threats, which are just ridiculously out of proportion. It can help us to gain some perspective if we ask ourselves, have I ever done anything? "Mm, Yeah, a little like this myself. It's so easy to fuss at somebody for making a mistake, for forgetting to do something they said they do, or making some mistake. But if we say, Have I ever made a mistake? Have I ever forgotten to do something? Let me think. And if you've seen that Andy Griffith episode, you might need Gomer Pyle's bucket to put on your head and do a nice long think, right? It's easier to cut other people's slack, to be forgetful. If we can remember, we've done something similar. And especially if the people judging us just showed no mercy when they got on our case well as i was writing this very part of the sermon the phone rang it was our tree guy our arborist was supposed to have come by that morning to assess our tree and shrub trimming needs and tell us how many hmm, how much money was going to cost to fix it but he didn't arrive and he didn't call so i said Jason, I am outraged. You see, I have never, ever made a mistake myself, and I'll never, ever be able to forgive this abomination. Well, there was kind of what you call an awkward pause. (laughs) And then I told him about the sermon and what I had just written, and we made another appointment for him to come by the next morning. Well, the sad part of the story is I didn't see him then, and I hadn't heard from him yet. (laughs) But I have hope and I'm not going to get all fussy with him because he's going to do... Well, it's a situation. I could get outrageous anger a couple of times there. But I, I don't want to let the sun go down on my anger and I could get... I, you know, I get mad every time I thought about it. You ever have something like that, something that happened a long time ago and the more you think about it, you get all anger over again. Well... Oh, everybody's got examples, right? <laughs> I know I do. But we all know that wouldn't have helped my feelings or my blood pressure. So, and it wouldn't have gotten my tree guy over there any quicker or helped him do a better job on a task that really is hot, hard, and, and sometimes dangerous. When I've done just a little bit of it, I've gotten scratched up pretty good. And I even know people have broken fingers doing trimming work or gotten hit on the head or had other problems. You know, these things happen to people, Right. So I won't fuss at him too much. I will I might ask him for a delayed discount, though. <laughs> well, not only does the Bible tell us to be kind and tenor-hearted and forgiving, we we set the standards very high for ourselves when we ask God out loud as we do. We'll do it today. We do it every Sunday. We don't ask God to side with us in our outrage. <clears throat> We don't ask God, ooh, get revenge on those people I'm mad at. We don't ask God to shore up our angry, self-righteousness, help me feel a more self-righteous, Lord. We don't do that. What we do is we ask God, forgive us as we have forgiven others. Thanks be to God.